Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is writer-director Michael McGowan, and we're going to be talking about his new, brand new film called All My Puny Sorrows. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you very much. It's lovely having you here. This film uh, was, I don't know if it premiered at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, but it, it was at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, and there was a lot of buzz about this movie, and a, lot, a number of people told me about it and said that I must have you on my show, so I I'm, I'm happy that we were able to schedule you and have you on the show. Unfortunately, I did not get to see it at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, but I um, have enjoyed watching it since then. Uh, lots to discuss with this film. Yeah, no, it was... Uh, so, yeah, we I was unable to go to Santa Barbara, but it, it pre- our world premiere was uh, the Toronto International Film Festival, and then it's played a bunch since then. But uh, that's great that it, I, I hadn't really heard anything about Santa Barbara, so that's nice, nice to know. Yes, yes, there was a lot of buzz. <laughs> a lot of buzz about it. Um, so our listeners uh, know and our viewers know, um, why don't you give us a brief brief synopsis of what All My Puny Sorrows is all about? Yeah, I mean, it's a story of, it's essentially a love between two sisters. And the, the short synopsis is one wants to, to kill herself and the other one obviously wants her to live. And it's the dynamics against this terrible thing that this family operates. And that's sort of the bleak description of it. And as you know, you've seen the film, there's a lot of heart and humor in the film like a surprising amount and it, it was it's based on a, a book by Miriam Taves um, sort of an internationally an international bestseller I would say um, and really loose not loosely based on her own experiences um, sort of the major events in both the film and the book uh, took place in, in her life oh wow I did not realize that uh, it was based partially on what had happened in her life. What made you decide, even though it was an international bestseller, what made you decide to tackle this subject in this book and uh, create this beautiful movie? Uh, there's a few things. I mean, I hadn't seen the rationale for suicide trade the way she had written about. I mean, it, you're just always like, okay, it's it's an irrational act. And to examine it from the other side of it, from the, the sympathy, this uh, being sympathetic to somebody that wants to, to do this was really interesting to explore. And as I said, there's a lot of humor in the, in the, in the novel. And then I, mostly I thought that there was three incredibly well-written roles that would translate, uh, to a film. And when you're making these quote-unquote smaller films, you always have to figure out ways to punch above your weight. And I thought that if I could write the the screenplay the way the novel was written, then we would be able to track the cast that would get attention for this film. And then how... How did you cast it? Because you've got um, the three main characters, which are wonderful actress, Alison Pill, Sarah uh, Gadon, and of course, the always amazing um, um, Mayor Winningham. Uh, who is, you know, I just love her. And almost everything she does, she's amazing. So how did you uh, cast this? Yeah, so we had a great casting director uh, out of L.A., Heidi Levitt. And she really sort of, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like if I had sent it down, I think it, like it wouldn't have got any traction whatsoever. But a great casting director can sort of make it a, a buzzy screenplay. And she did that. And we were sort of looking at a lot of actors and in different combinations. And the character of that Alison Pill plays, Yoli, 
could have been really 10 years older. Um, and then that would have affected the, her sister's role and her mother's role. And so it was important for us to to get Yoli first, even though I'd spoken about Sarah, to Sarah Gadden about playing um, Alf a few years earlier. And so Heidi got it to Allison's manager, read it, responded, then, then Allison read it. And I remember the first call, Allison called me and was like, I'm kind of mad at you. Uh, I'm like, why? <laughs> She's like, well, I kind of had my life all planned and now this is going to, this is going to screw it up. And I was quite happy to screw up her plans. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, and it's interesting because I, I didn't realize that this, well, I ran a buyer, but Allison and Sarah went to the same high school. They'd worked on a, um, a MOW 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, they sort of had really similar backgrounds. And, and then Mare and uh, Allison also did a Broadway play together. So there was a lot of familiarity oh. between the, the three of them um, that made it really easy to, I mean, great actors, let's face it, great actors can hate each other and still have a fantastic on-screen chemistry, but right. these three genuinely really liked each other, so it was just that much easier. Yeah, it does make it easier when they get along, I suppose, but you're right, you know, we've heard about, you know, co-stars not getting along, and yet on, on camera, you would never know that, so. Exactly. Yeah, but with these three wonderful actresses, I mean, because it's such an intimate movie, obviously dealing with um, a very difficult subject, um, how did you as a director direct them to approach their roles? Well, I mean, they're all really like fiercely intelligent and they've done a lot of stuff. So sometimes they directed me uh, in the best <laughs> sense of the word. So Allison was really adamant that she wanted to rehearse. And like, usually, I mean, it's the 20 day shoot, you're, you don't really have the luxury of doing that. But because she had to quarantine for two weeks, because Mara had to quarantine for two weeks, and then Sarah was in, like in Toronto that she could come out with, it kind of made it possible. And, and so it was actually a, a great thing to, for, to me, for me as a director to learn is they really, really workshopped each of the scenes, and it, it wasn't like a rewrite, but it was a polish on a, all of them. So we were very specific about what, especially the backbone of the film, are these the number of these hospital scenes. And by the time we got on set, we sort of answered all the questions that you might usually answer on set, and it made for a much more efficient process. And uh, I felt like they were all great collaborators with me i mean i i don't typically shot list because i do want to see how actors are going to move in a space rather than essentially your pieces of furniture they're going to tell you what to do and i i just <clears throat> and you know you want to watch what the you know what the dp needs and all that kind of stuff so um i just i worked with them like it was a conversation um i remember mayor um there's a eulogy scene in, in mayor was it, that Mara's character um, Lottie performs, and and she's like, it's really not resonating with me, and the rest of the way the scenes are like, can you just look at it again and take another stab at it? And, and like only in the only in the best way. And I was like, just I had a million things to do at that point, so I emailed the author Miriam Taze, and I said, I know your mother is that person in your life. Can she just give me some point, like, I don't know, bullet points or something like that? And, you know, three hours later, the whole eulogy arrives. Um, and so it's that idea that that conversation continued, mm. you know, in prep and obviously all the way through through shooting. That's amazing. And that the, um, 
Miriam, the author of the book, was so available to you uh, and able to help you with this, you know, as you're as you're filming. I mean, that doesn't necessarily always happen. No, it, I mean, and she was I, like, I guess I said because it's her own lived. It's a novel, but it's really her own lived experience. Um, you know, all the actors spoke extensively with her. All our heads of departments, you know, used her as a resource for like, you know, I know our production designer had some some of her actual items that they put it like in the house and stuff like that. So it really, there was a level of authenticity that because of her being generous, really, I think, helped with the production. It, it, that's really amazing that 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 she as again that she was so available for you. The um, gosh, there's so much in this movie. Let's talk about uh, what was the most difficult part of shooting this. Well, the most difficult part was really just the looming. Like we shot during COVID, that we'd always be shut down. Uh, I think our insurance said if we had three positive tests then then it wouldn't happen and everybody was everybody was on a hard out in terms of they had other places to be et cetera et cetera we're right we're right against against christmas so um on like day 11 myself and a, a dolly grip tested positive for covid oh, no. and <laughs> just like okay <laughs> no. where are we gonna and it turned out to be and i, I immediately called this guy and it's like and i was being super careful because i just and as were the actors, like everybody was, nobody was screwing around with this at all. And uh, I called them and I said, do you think you're positive? He goes, no, I'm, I know I'm not. And so, and they turned out to be, you know, two, uh, both of us turned out to be negative, fortunately, but you're positive. We had to shut down production for a day and okay. we, were, we were positive until we weren't. Um, <laughs> and then, I, but the rest of it, it wasn't difficult. Like it's, I mean, all the actors, like, there's some definitely some places they go um, that they're, I mean, Mare's first day on set with some really heavy scenes that I kind of hadn't realized, like, oh, wow, we, we might have scheduled that a bit differently, but she was <laughs> phenomenal in performing them. And Allison certainly could go to those places almost, I, I, I mean, I'm, I can't really speak for it, but it's seemingly on the drop of a dime. Like she could be like talking about what she wants to have for lunch, then action. And mm-hmm. she's like, and then she's Yoli at her, her, her depths of despair and then cut. What do you think? Cause like, no, oh, that was amazing. So, um, so it, there wasn't that, <clears throat> I think we all felt like we were incredibly lucky to be working during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I think that, and and I think that the the material that Miriam had started with was everybody really responded to that we didn't want to screw it up. So there w- it wasn't it wasn't difficult in the sense of actually shooting it. Well, that's good. That's good. Let's talk about uh, Donald Logue. Is it how you say it? Donald Logue, who plays the father. Donald Logue, yeah, yeah, yeah. A uh, little bit about him and his character and and how that all played out for you. It's yeah. you know ca- and casting him also. Go ahead. Yeah, again, that's Heidi. He was around. I think he was finishing something in Canada. So he was around and he, I mean, he's been in so much stuff as a character actor, but mm-hmm. like, like when the opening of the scene is him in front of a train track and, and we assume something bad is going to happen. And he had like gone into town to buy specific glasses. He talked to Miriam extensively. He'd done all this Mennonite research. Like he went deep, even though, he's not actually on screen that much. Mm -hmm. And 
I remember, like, we, because we had to get out of that location very quickly, I was just sort of under a black hood rather than a whole video village in the tent and just watching a huge, we had a really wide shot and just being so moved by the precision when he put the glasses down on the ground and how, how he, it kind of almost breaks your heart. And, yeah. and then the interesting thing about the film is we do use these flashbacks and I think one of the, for me, one of the strongest scenes is when he's talking about going to Pierre Elliott Trudeau's funeral and just how there's a, there's a wistfulness, a beautifulness, and also a smallness of the, of the character that almost breaks your heart. And I think mm-hmm. why he just was able to ride that line so, so wonderfully. Yes, he he really was. How much did for you in this film? I mean, the Mennonites obviously that's a big part of this movie. Um, how much research and whatnot did you have to do about the Mennonites? We did a lot of like for the looks and how like how Mennonite were they? We talked to Miriam. Like so, for example, there's a a steamship that we sort of replicated as one a bit of the art and stuff, but. I think that and there was far more in the book, but I, I think we just wanted to hint at there was an oppressiveness to that community mm-hmm. and that in, sort of infected a lot of people. And But tried to ride the wave of not going too far down that road because it would, I, we felt it would just slow the story down in the present. So it was almost like we wanted to give, yeah, a little flavor of it, but not a, not a full course. And, and it is. It's just, it's just enough. It's, you know, you get a, you get a feel for what was, what they were going on, going through, um, just in life. And you filmed it where you filmed it in Canada. Did you film it in, near Toronto? Uh, uh, no, we were we were we were three hours north of Toronto. So we're in a town called North Bay, and it was great because at that point, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of COVID cases and stuff like that, and we could move around fairly easily. And it was actually nice just to be up and away from everything to be filming Mm -hmm. now when did you film it what time of year did you film this we finished just at the end of 2020 okay so december of 2020 yeah so we finished principal photography i think yeah like december 20th in 2020 before we got vaccines and all the other things oh yeah yeah exactly yeah Yeah. no there was no uh, (laughs) yeah there's none of that then well, the, you know, we, because where you filmed, I'm always interested where, where films are filmed. I mean, always, uh, I always, well, I've always been a credit watcher since I was a child. But that's one of the things I always look for. Like, where did they film this? You know, and always interesting. But you filmed it, you know, obviously during winter. Uh, it's a little bleak <laughs> in that respect. The topic is not cheery. <laughs> so, um, what did you all do when you weren't filming uh, to keep everyone's spirits up? We just drank and did drugs extensively. And, uh, <laughs> that was it. It was just a crazy, it was just debauchery. Uh, orgies, that whole thing. But besides that, no. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of a bit like, it, because we were all, like, we had these pods and all this kind of stuff, that we uh, we had these ramen nights every Saturday night. Like, it was, people just, like, hung out with each other. And it was interesting. And it was great. Like, it seems, well, it doesn't because we're still sort of in the pandemic. Um, it was sort of great to be around people. Like, like everybody was there and you couldn't see anybody else. So it was a bit like going to camp. So, you know, we'd have, we'd have drinks in people's rooms and stuff like that. And it was, 
Yeah, but I mean, certainly, and, and well, actually, no, the North Bay was, you could go to restaurants then too. So we would do that. So it felt relatively speaking compared to some other parts of the world. Like even Toronto was way more locked down than, than, than North Bay was. But we were, like I said, we were all, like, I wouldn't take the elevator in the hotel just because I was so paranoid mm-hmm. of getting COVID right. uh, at that point. Right, right. And you didn't want to have your uh, movie shut down for sure. So there was extra reason to be more cautious, I suppose, too. Um, for the, so why did you choose North Bay? How did that become the place you it, decided it, to film it? Yeah, I've shot there before, but I mean, the the book actually is set in Winnipeg, Manitoba, mm-hmm. um, which would have been very bleak then as well. Um, but North Bay kind of just worked out for a, a mostly financial reasons. Uh, there were some there were some funds that we could access up there and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, it, it, it was for me, it was visually what I what I wanted uh, for the film, but it it also had the extra advantage of being. Um, they had money they were <laughs> they were giving us. Good. That's always a good reason to go to things. That's a great to reason you. in the film business. <laughs> Very good reason. Let's talk a little bit about Sarah uh, Gaddon, because I don't think I've seen her in anything before. And she's absolutely beautiful and wonderful in this role. Um, and, and, and her chemistry with Allison, and as you said, they went to school together. Um, let's talk about that a little bit, too. Their, their sisterly chemistry in this film. Yeah, so Sarah's been in a bunch of stuff. She's in some Cronenberg, David Cronenberg films. She was in a, a, a bit in True, one of the True Detectives. She was in the other Margaret Atwood series. She was the star of it called Handmaid's Tale. Okay, not sorry, not Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Alias Grace, the other one. No, uh, but I don't know if it. I don't know how it was big here, but I don't know if it was anyway. She's yeah. I mean, she's really smart and like even uh, and and then just watching what her and Allison could do together and the language that they had they were obviously I know obviously but they were incredibly comfortable around each other and it's fun when you cast and it feels like they're sisters you know what I mean like I mean because I come from a family of six and we all kind of look different so you can justify well that doesn't but it's it's nicer when they do, and I mean she has such a an elegance. Yes, um, yes yeah. Even like she's sitting in the, she can't look bad. Like I mean, it's right. it's hard to make Sarah Sarah look bad. No, she's uh, beautiful. You know, and it was a nice contrast. Not that in any way, shape, or form, Allison looked bad, but just the idea that this almost porcelain doll, quote unquote, as opposed to this other person who's just trying to get just trying to get her life together and you know mm-hmm. um so um yeah and then we showed both in the in the and the post-production process we showed both uh allison and sarah cuts of the film and they were again wonderful and their suggestions and their and you know and, and looking at the film because i i didn't want to show them the film because i was like you're 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 actors how can you possibly be objective about this and Sarah's like, I dated an editor for 12 years. And Allison's like, I'm married to a filmmaker. Screw you. Show me the film. Uh, and it was, really, it was really, it was really wonderful because they were both, they both had stuff that we hadn't thought about. So really, so there were some changes and things that were made after the. Yeah. Like it's always film. amazing. It's amazing to me, like in post-production, how much you change things. Like it's that, it's mm-hmm. the adage you write it once in the screenplay, once when you're filming and the third time when you're editing, but right. it's, it's incredible what you think you need what you don't need 
and how it just keeps you just keep refining it and how other people all oh, right that makes sense i mean some notes you're like no i need it for this but other notes you're like oh i never really thought of that like i didn't i didn't see it through those eyes almost and so it's important obviously in that process to to get people to look at the film it, yeah it, it, interesting interesting that um because yeah. i don't think many do many directors do that with their actors in i don't know and i hadn't before i probably had i'm trying to think most of them, well, most of them want to see a cut before they come to, not a cut, They want, most of them want to see what it is before they come to the film festival and go, okay, what am I, what am I supporting here? Uh, but, like, we didn't show Mara cut. Um, I, don't, I can't remember how many people, I, I think that might have been unique, too. I can't remember. Interesting, interesting. Uh, uh, what happens if they don't like the film <laughs> afterwards? Well, go, oh. <laughs> I, I think we all knew when we were shooting that it was, that we were, like, it was going to turn out, it was going to turn out well. And and, uh, and again, like Sarah, like I remember Sarah asked for a cut on her big, uh, there's a big scene or she's in the bed and she really breaks down and she's like, I, I think it should be on me for that. And it's, but she's, but her, and it was like, right, why aren't we on you? And it was like, and I, I was like, yeah, that's a good point. And then when you go back and look at the, like, look at the footage, it was like, yeah, of course we should be on her. This mm-hmm. is her, her big line. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you just, it's not, you just get used to the footage and you don't question it. And uh, when other people see, as again, see it through different eyes and you're like, Right. That like and I, I could have easily had a reason for like a technical reason or performance reason or you know sort of a theoretical reason, but she was right. That's interesting. And it's suppose, yeah, it, well maybe she might not have been right and then what happens after that too. <laughs> so you end up in a more a deeper discussion, I suppose. Well, again, that's that's the art of it too. Like, you know, ultimately as a writer director that it, you're gonna I'm gonna make the final call. Right. And you know, hopefully you know, and it didn't come to it in this one at all. But you know, there's sometimes where it's like you have a disagreement. You're like, okay, well, you know, I hope I'm not. I hope when it goes out into the world, this isn't a mistake. But I, I, I feel pretty strongly about what about the decision. Yeah, well, it's a it's a beautiful film. It it is a difficult topic, but even though it is, it actually um, there's something really wonderful about it. You know, and I mean, in the sense, don't it's not a depressing down film because there. You know, I don't want to give too much away but it is um uplifting in its own way too even oh exactly i think it's a hope i I think it's a really hopeful film yes um I I think you come out of it a bit through the ringer, but ultimately feeling hopeful in some ways. 100%. That's exactly the way I felt afterwards. So, yeah, it really is that. Where can people see my uh, puny little sorrows? Uh, Yeah, so it's on... All my puny sorrows. I should get the right title. Sorry. All my puny sorrows. Yeah, it's on VOD now. So I guess anywhere you get films like, you know, iTunes or any of those Google, Google... places anywhere you buy vod films it's there it's everywhere it's it's uh, streaming somewhere i'm sure too yes. michael what are you working on next that is a good question i have no i mean there's a few things that i'm uh, sort of in the process of either developing or or finishing but i never like to jinx anything by saying okay this is going to be the next one because invariably the things that i think are going to go don't and then you're like oh i'm going to do this instead so I, I, nothing that that is going that I can say. Okay, here today I'm doing this. So, do you, do you prefer writing your own screenplays uh, generally? Uh, you wrote this one and you directed it, or do you just prefer? What's your preference? Do you like only doing screenplays that you have written, or do you want to? No, I others? sort of do. A lot. I mean, I do. A, I do a fair bit of television as well. And it's always nice just to have it. Like the writing is 
for me by far the hardest it's just like it sends me into places i don't want to be directing it's got its own challenges but it, comparatively speaking there's people that make you coffee to get you stuff there's there's a whole <laughs> team around that's trying to you know carry out your vision and it's just it's a different energy uh but I, the films i've done i've i've written them all um but would be happy to receive a screenplay that I was like, Oh wow, this is amazing. Let's, let's make this. So, um, yeah, like I, like I said, I've directed a lot of television that I haven't written, but so far not a, not a feature. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I wish you much success with all my puny sorrows. Uh, really everyone seek it out. It's a, it's a lovely film. Uh, it is inspirational. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of depth to it, a lot of layers, and uh, it's a, a very wonderful film. So thank you for being on the show, Michael. Oh, it was, so, it was my pleasure. It was, it was great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you have missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can go to my website, thejampriceshow.com, where all the shows are archived or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast on the iHeart Podcast ne- Network, Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Also, go to my YouTube channel, and while you're there, subscribe and like it and Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jam Price Show, all about movies.